0: Two years ago, I was, uh, around this time actually, I was getting ready to turn 40 years old. You know, I was approaching that milestone of life, the big 40. and I remember I, I went to my wife and I told her, I said, hey, the only thing I want for my birthday is I just, I wanna like celebrate. I wanna celebrate 40 years of life. And uh, I said, I want, you know, as many of our friends as possible to be there. I said, but here's the thing. I don't, I don't really wanna plan it. And I was like, that's, that's the only thing I want. I said, if I could ask for anything for my birthday, it would be that we could have a birthday party. We don't really do birthdays that much. Like, we, we never really do birthday parties in my family. We're just not a big birthday family. And so I was like, I, this year, though, I want, like, a birthday party, but I don't wanna plan it. That, that can be your birthday present to me. And she said, okay, okay. So, you know, several weeks go by, and I haven't heard anything about a party. And uh, we get to the week before my birthday, I still haven't heard anything about the party, so I'm I'm feeling kind of like concerned. I'm feeling a little disappointed and kind of a little frustrated, you know. And so I finally I go to my wife, and as kindly as I know how, I'm like, hey, I'm just checking in, like no pressure. I'm I'm not mad. I promise, I'm not mad. I'm like, but I just I just want is there anything being planned? Like I just need to know. And she kind of says, I've just been I've been so busy. She's like, people are like out of town this weekend, you know, and like like one of my best friends. She's like, well, I talked to them, and they're going camping. I'm like, they're going camping. I was like, did you tell them it's my 40th birthday? Like, did you, do they know that that's what's going, they're going to go, she's like, I know, I'm sorry, I just, and I I can feel myself getting kind of frustrated, you know, but I was like, no, no, I got to be calm, got to be calm, so I kind of let it go, but then I asked her one more time, and I kept asking her, and eventually she she started crying, and I realized, I'm like, okay, pressing too hard, pressing too hard, I got to back off a little bit, so I stopped asking. So the next day, I kind of, I decided that night, I was like, you know what, I I just, I really want to have a gathering of my friends, so. I'm just gonna plan it. And so I came to her the next day and I said, hey babe, listen, it's okay, it's okay. I know you've been busy. I'm just gonna plan a little gathering with just a few people. It won't be quite what I wanted, but you know, we'll get a few people together. So she's kinda like, okay. So I start texting like three different family friends, you know, three three different families. And I start orchestrating this gathering for my own birthday, you know, and I'm like, this is so lame, I'm 40 years old, I'm gonna plan my own birthday party, you know. (laughs) So anyway, so I send these texts, and they all reply really positive. They're all, like, all excited. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We'll do that. And so I plan this thing, and I know exactly how it's going to be. So my birthday finally gets here. And uh, we get in the car, and we're driving to the place that we're supposed to meet everybody that I, to the party that I planned. And we get there, and I'll never forget this moment. I walk in the front door of this building, and literally, there's this, like, spirit tunnel of people that love me, like, lined up. And they're all just, like, cheering, like, Yeah! And I'm like, what in the world? is like all the people that were camping, they were there. You know, it was Dave and Sydney Clayton. They didn't go camping. They came back for me. I went on the aisle. Everybody's like patting me on the back and cheering and And I get to the end, and my parents and my brother are in from out of town. Like, they came in to see me to celebrate. And right as everybody's done cheering, like, Led Zeppelin kicks on. It's the Jimmy Page guitar solo, which was, if you know me, it was like, whoa, there's nothing better than a good Jimmy Page guitar solo right at my birthday party. Like, I was so excited. And I turn around, and there's Amy just smiling at me. Amy's my wife. And it was this moment where, man, I felt so loved. Like, I just felt so loved in that moment. And it wasn't because it was a big party and all these people came. I felt loved because I realized in that moment just how well my wife really knows me. Like she knows me so well. She knew who to invite and she went to all this work to invite them. She knew the type of food to have. We had like a chili cheese buffet with tons and tons of Fritos, which if you didn't know, they were the world's most perfect salty snack. They were like piled up, you know. The music was perfect, the people were perfect. And then I realized, like Amy had to figure out a way to prevent me from ruining the surprise. She had gone, when I told her I was gonna text, she had gone behind me and she was texting them with what to tell me in response to the party that I thought I was planning. Like, it was amazing. It was this moment where, man, I just knew how well my wife knew me and I felt so loved because, man, isn't it, isn't it true that, man, when, when you start realizing that somebody knows you that well and they're willing to move and act on your behalf, it's like, man, you're known and you're loved. You know, this series that we kicked off several weeks ago is called God Is... You know, we're, we're spending this fall just kind of exploring, man, who is God? What is he like? We're trying to explore and discover the indescribable character of who God is and what he's like. And and we're able to do this because in the Bible, God reveals that he actually wants to be known by us. He reveals himself by name, which we'll look at here in just a minute. But what we're going to see today is that the beauty of this whole thing is it's not just that God wants to be known by us. It is that the eternal, all-powerful, creating God knows you and knows me. He knows us. And so we're basing this whole sermon out of Exodus chapter 34. And I'm just gonna read this passage. It'll be up on the screen. Uh, we read this the last two weeks, but this is that moment where God reveals his name to Moses. And if you need some background for that, go listen to the last two sermons and they'll catch up as to what's going on here. But this is the passage we're building this whole series off, Exodus 34, verse six. And the Lord passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents, to the third and fourth generation. So this is the passage that we're just diving into. All, all the beautiful things, all the, all the hard things we're going to be pulling apart and looking at this fall and You know, last week, we looked at this idea of the name of God, that he reveals himself as the Lord, as it says in your Bibles, Lord all caps, and it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. It means that I am. I am who I am. And it's this communication about the limitless nature of who God is. So last week, we looked at this idea that he's limitless in time. He's eternal, not constrained by our understanding of time. We're gonna also look at in the next coming weeks. We're gonna talk about how God is limitless in resources. He's limitless in power. But this morning, we're gonna see this idea that the great I am, Yahweh, he is limitless in knowledge. Theologians have this word that they use to describe this attribute of God, that he is omniscient, the omniscience of God, that he knows all things all the time. A lot of times when when the biblical writers try to wrestle with some of these characteristics of God, it's like, man, we, we have a hard time with our words, with our thoughts, being able to comprehend something that is this limitless, someone that is this limitless, And so a lot of times what you find in the Bible is this, you get these poetic renderings. They'll use poetry and song. This is one of the gifts of art, is that art is this place where we can express the things we don't know how to express with our words. And so all through the Bible, you'll find the writers using poetry to try to capture the bigness of who God is. We see this really clearly in Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to get to Psalm 139 here in a minute, but... Isaiah chapter 40, we find the prophet Isaiah who's trying to wrestle with and come to terms with the bigness of the knowledge of God. And listen to what he describes. It's starting in verse 12 of Isaiah 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who's held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Verse 13 who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Or who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught Yahweh knowledge or shared him, showed him the path of understanding? I love this picture of Isaiah. He's looking at creation. He's taking in like the vastness of the universe, looking at the stars. He's looking at the the magnitude of the mountains or pondering the unseen depths of the ocean. And he's going, man, who, who has done all this? It is Yahweh. And I I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who's really talented at something. They have a skill, whether it's a musical instrument or art or cooking, and you see them and you see them being so talented and gifted. And one of the first questions you want to ask is like, man, who taught you this? Like, where did you learn how to do this so well? And most people have a great story of who taught them, but Isaiah is kind of moved in the same way, but he asks a rhetorical question. As he looks at the beauty and the magnitude and the wonder of all creation, he's like, God, who taught you? Like, who who counseled Yahweh? Who instructed Yahweh? And the clear answer is this, nobody. That's a rhetorical question because the answer is nobody. Nobody taught Yahweh, anything. Nobody taught him how to do the things that he's done. Nobody instructed him. Nobody ever sat with him to counsel him or advise him or, 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 or to lead him. Nobody has ever taught him anything, and yet he created all that we can see or know. It's this beautiful picture. Guys, I mean, I want you to wrestle with this for a minute. What, what Isaiah and so many other biblical writers are pointing to is that God, Yahweh God, has never learned anything. He's never learned anything. And and the second part of that is that he never will learn anything. And we go, oh man, it sounds like he's pretty closed-minded. No, it's because he already knows it all. Like if he were to be taught something, it would mean that there was something he didn't know, which would mean that he cannot be the all-supreme, all-knowing I am. That God has never been taught anything. He never will be taught anything because he has known everything from eternity past to eternity future. God contains all knowledge. You know, you think about our, our, our study of, of anything in the world, we refer to this as the sciences, right? So whether we're talking about chemistry, biology, geology, you know, astronomy, oceanography, like whatever it is, if you're, whatever you're studying, we're trying out of our human mind to understand the things that we see around us. Because this is why I think it's so beautiful, everything, think about all the developments in science over the, over the course of humanity. Everything that has taken us centuries to learn or discover, God already knew and continues to know. Everything we will discover going forward, he already knows it all. This is why I don't think there's this tension. Our culture tries to tell us there's a tension between science and faith. Did you know that, that science is us trying to plumb the depths of God's knowledge it's what he already knows. And we're seeking to try to get our little pea-sized brains around the bigness of what he knows. Now, here's the thing. We could spend a lifetime, we could spend you know weeks and weeks exploring this kind of big 30,000-foot view of God's knowledge, of his knowledge in all of creation, his, his knowledge in all the earth, his knowledge in the universe. We could spend a lot of time wrestling with that. But what, this morning, what I wanna bring it down to is this very real and logical conclusion that if God knows everything, then God knows you. If God knows everything, then God knows you. He knows me. He knows us. Jesus would even say it this way in Luke 12 that every hair on your head is numbered. He could count. He could tell you the numbers of hair on your head. He knows you to the smallest little detail. Now, again, the biblical writers when trying to wrestle with this understanding of God's knowledge of his knowing us, they often will use poetry and writing to try to understand this. And this is what brings us to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, I know I say a lot of Bible verses are my favorite. I think I say that every week, I'm sorry. But you know, this one really is, this is my favorite Psalm. Psalm 139 is my favorite Psalm. And in Psalm 139, we find David, this, this shepherd, warrior, king, poet, trying to wrestle out and understand the bigness of, man, this God that knows all, and yet somehow he knows me intimately. we're just gonna read through it, Psalm 139, and just kind of unpack it as we go and talk about the human heart's response to this all-knowing God. Look with me, Psalm 139, verse one. You have searched me, Yahweh, and you know me. Just let that sit for a minute. Yahweh. The all knowing, the all powerful, the eternal. He has searched you already in the past. He knows you already. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Yahweh, know it completely. I'm going to pause right there. You know, I was reading, I was reading this this week, just kind of let it, trying to let it settle into my heart. And, you know, the version that I just read to you comes from the NIV. It's just one, one great translation of the Bible. There's lots of good translations of the Bible. I was reading a different translation on Thursday. I was reading the ESV, and I noticed that in verse 4, it says, Before a word is on my tongue, Behold you lord know it completely now whenever we see that word behold in the scriptures it's this invitation to sit with something to take it in to gaze at it to marvel at it to wonder in it <clears throat> and I was struck by the, I felt this invitation from God Aaron I just want you to behold the idea that before a word is on your tongue I've known it I want you to marvel at and behold the idea that I've perceived all of your thoughts Now, I think when the human heart really begins, if we allow ourselves to sit in this idea that before anything comes out of us, before we do anything, think anything, say anything, like God knows it completely, he's familiar with it. He's all-knowing. He's not surprised by any of our actions, words, or thoughts. And I think when the human heart sits with that, there's kind of some natural responses. I know that as I sat with it on Thursday... The first response was a response of concern. I kind of went, oh no. Immediately, I started thinking of the words that have come out of my mouth. Before a word is on your tongue, I immediately was just reminded of, I just like went through my life. I started going, man, all the, all the critical words, the places where I've just been quick to criticize. I started thinking about all the, the words where I've been slanderous and talking about somebody or where I've been gossiping. I thought about the words that I've used to complain or to grumble or to tear down. I thought about the inappropriate words I've used in jokes or just to get a cheap laugh. I started thinking about all those things and immediately my heart became concerned, like, oh God, oh, I, I, I kind of wanted to hide. We've all had that moment where we realize this idea that God knows you, this is just the thoughts that, I mean, the words that come off my tongue. What about the thoughts? How many of us have had thoughts that we are just so grateful that they stayed in our head and nobody else knows that we've thought it. Have you ever been there? Man, there's so many times where I think something and I'm like, oh man, God, please don't let anybody ever know that I thought that. And then I go, oh wait, you know it, Ah. Oh. And there's this natural response of concern, the weightiness of it. But what I love about Psalm 139 is that it does not give us space. It doesn't give us space to just sit and be stuck in concern and fear and shame or guilt, that the Psalmist David keeps going Look at the very next verse after he says that. Before words on my tongue, you know it completely. Verse five, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. What we find is that David, he goes from concern to comfort. Then immediately he goes, oh man, when I've realized this right at that moment where I think I'm going to be crushed, there is this comfort that comes. He says, Lord, you hem me in behind and before. Now, what does that mean? Guys, the language there is the Hebrew language that would have been used to describe the soft handedness of a potter with a lump of clay on the potter's wheel. The potter who is shaping and molding and caring for and gently trying to take out every single imperfection so that they can get a perfect vessel. This is the picture of Yahweh God. He sees you. He knows you. He knows every thought. He knows every word. He knows every single action you've ever taken. He's discerned your thoughts from afar. He's familiar with all of your ways. And what does he do? He hems you in before and behind. He shapes you. He molds you gently. Guys, these are, these are affectionate words. This is a picture of a God who, though he knows everything, he draws near in Affection. When I read this and it hit my heart immediately, my concern began to vanish, and I felt the comfort of an all-powerful, all-knowing, everlasting God drawing near to me in gentleness and in care and concern. Immediately, He reminded me of uh, of, of a time that I was hiking with my family. We were all, all six of us were out hiking. This was a couple of years ago. My my youngest daughter, Cara, was only one year it was one year old and a heavy rainstorm came upon us. I mean, it was just a deluge. We were on the Appalachian Trail in North Carolina. It just started pouring on us. And I remember we weren't that far from the car, so my boys just take off. They thought it was the most wild adventure ever. They're like, ah, like running through the trees. But man, my one-year-old little girl had no idea what was happening. And I had my... I had my then three-year-old on my back and a one-year-old in my arms. I remember just holding her close, going as quickly as I could, but as safely as I could to get back to my car. All the while, I'm whispering to her, it's gonna be okay, baby, I got you. I love you. You're with daddy. I've got you. I love you. Holding her, cuddling her, cradling her to my chest. Guys, this is the image that we get here in Psalm 139. God has seen you, he's known you, he's known everything about you, and when you start to feel that concern, he reaches out and hems you in before and behind, and he holds you close to provide comfort in the face of the things that you're terrified of him knowing. This is the picture of the all-knowing God and how he responds to us. And if you keep moving through the Psalm, you'll see, man, it goes from concern to being comforted, and then it moves into this place of confidence. Look with me down, Psalm 139. Look at verse 13. It says, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen to that declaration. Lord, I understand I am wonderfully made. There's this confidence before God. I've realized, God, you have comforted me, and now I know with confidence that I've been wonderfully made. Look at verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. Guys, we we move when we understand who God is, Yahweh God, the limitless God, we move from concern about him knowing us completely to being comforted by the fact that he knows us completely to standing confidently before him because we understand he's created you and me and every one of us for a purpose, I love Ephesians 2.10. It's one of my favorite verses. There I gotta go again. It is one of my favorite verses. It's the first verse I have my kids memorize. Because it just says this is, hey, you are God's workmanship. You're his masterpiece. And you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. And when you understand, hey, this God who knows everything, yes, he knows all the places where you've messed up. He knows all the careless words. He knows all the actions and the ugly thoughts. He knows all of them, but it's not what he made you for. He made you for more. He created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, and he prepared every single one of those good works for you in advance. God knows you. He knows the gifts he's given you. He knows the gifts he still wants to give you. He knows exactly what you need to live into what he designed you to do. Man, when we understand that, we're able to stand in confidence before him. And I love it, man. When you keep moving through the psalm, you see that it goes from concern to comfort to confidence to really just a desire to draw closer. Look at Psalm 139, verse 23. 22, uh, sorry, uh, 23. Search me, God. Look at that. No longer is it like this, oh, no, i got to hide this thing from God. David is going, oh, God, search me. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See, Lord, if there's any offensive way in me. God, he sounds crazy. Most of us go, no, this idea that God knows us makes us want to hide. It's this great irony. We find out God knows everything, and we try to hide as though we can hide something from him, since he already knows everything. But the invitation when we move from concern to comfort to confidence is this God, no God, here I am, search me God, know me because I know that the more you know me, Lord, the more confidently I can stand before you, the more beauty you have for my life. Lord, even search the offensive ways in me, reveal them, Lord, take them out, I don't want them anymore, know my anxious thoughts and lead me in the way everlasting. See guys, this is the beauty when we understand Yahweh as he reveals himself, the I am, the limitless God we understand that, man, it may feel concerning at first, but it quickly moves to comfort and confidence when you know who you are in him into this desire to be closer and closer and closer to him. Now, this is what we see all throughout the life of Jesus. And I, I wish I had more time this morning. In fact, I was really tempted just to keep going and build this really great sermon to show you exactly how Jesus, who claims to be Yahweh, the I Am in John chapter eight that we talked about last week, I want you to see how, man, this plays out in his life so beautifully. You see it in the life of Peter, Right? I mean I mean Peter, Jesus knows from the very beginning that Peter's gonna deny him and betray him, and he keeps drawing him in. Keeps drawing him in. We see this in the woman at Bethany who was known to be a prostitute, and she's laying down and she's washing the feet of Jesus. She's talked about in every single gospel. And Jesus knows her completely. He forgives her, loves her, has mercy on her, and sends her on her way. As we see it over and over and over again in Jesus' life, this is how he operates. And you know, I was really tempted to try to explain this, describe it, and try to help you have an encounter with the Lord right here by the use of my words. And then I remembered Psalm 139.6. Psalm 139.6. David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. As there's nothing I can do, nothing I can say. We are totally dependent upon the Lord. And so this morning, instead of me trying to like talk you into this idea that God has comfort and confidence for you, we want to invite the Lord just to speak it. So I'm going to ask Jen Barnett to come up here. and ask the band to come up here. Uh, some of you, a lot of you know Jen. Jen um, it leads our freedom prayer ministry here at Ethos. And what we're going to do, and this may be a totally new experience for some of you, we're going to take some time to just be still before the Lord, to bring the entirety of who we are into his presence and to ask him to speak to us. And Jen's gonna kinda walk us through that. And if, and, 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 if that makes you uncomfortable all the time, man, just be at ease, we're not gonna ask you to do anything weird, or we're not gonna make you do anything you don't wanna do. We're just gonna take a minute and help you, like how do you draw near to the God that already knows you perfectly? What does that look like? And how do we give him space to speak about who we are and what he has to say to us? So Jen's gonna walk us through that and then I'll get back up here and give us some instructions about how we're gonna to respond to what he says. Jen, I'll hand it over to you.
1: So I just invite all of us this morning um, just to make this about you and the Lord. Most of us won't have time today, maybe even time this week, if we're honest, just to engage God. And we don't wanna check a box any morning, but especially this morning of check, I went to church, check, I heard some truth. We want to encounter the person of truth. And so that's what we're gonna do. And so I just invite you to just close your eyes right now. Don't worry about the person next to you. And I'm just gonna walk us through engaging God in Psalm 139. And so right now, just choose to engage and be still and know the God who knows. Lord, we invite you. We invite you, the one who knows, to really know us right now. We want to encounter you in that place where you know. Even when we think you don't, you know exactly what we need. And so we invite you to speak this morning. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And so, right now, as a community, just let that reality pierce your heart to the deepest layer that that reality is past tense, he's already done it. And begin just to tell him how you feel about the fact that he has already known you. He knew you this morning, he knew you this past week. He's known you for years before you were born. For some of you, that's a frightening thing. You can tell him that. For some of you, it's a comfort. You can tell him that back to him. Just begin to tell him how you feel honestly, transparently about being known. Lord, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and you are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Let the weight of those verses the weight that can make our cheeks flush with embarrassment or our stomach turn in knots when we really take a hold of those truths. Let that weight that God has discerned every thought, our unspoken thoughts that no one hears, those thoughts full of jealousy or malice, those self-serving thoughts, those twisted thoughts, distorted thoughts, let that weight just settle in for a moment and don't run from it. Actually, feel it for some moments with God. Choose this morning to just let that truth settle on your heart and don't hide. And as you honestly look at some of those thoughts that only he knows, begin to give them to him, begin to confess them in the places where you pretend that he can't hear them or see them or know them. Begin to hand them to him. Tell him, I know you know these things, and I don't want to be consumed by them, I don't want to carry these thoughts. He doesn't tell you that he knows them to condemn. He doesn't tell you that he knows them to shame you. He tells you so that he can cleanse you from them, heal you from them. Take the thoughts that you don't want to carry. So just offer them to him specifically right now. even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. In the same way right now, let his spirit just bring to mind some of those words that he knew before you even began to speak them. Every callous word, every crude word, every word laced with manipulation, every word that holds a thousand wounds and is covered with bitterness. Let him do the same work right now of revealing those words and let him pull them off of you. He knows them. Begin to confess them. Begin to repent of them. Begin to hand them to the one who exists to cleanse you, to heal you, to restore you. It is a holy work if you feel the conviction. Like Isaiah, we are a people of unclean lips, and God's heart is to have his own. You are sons, daughters, royal priests, and he will have his own. So give him those words, turn from those words. Confess to him, oh God, my mouth, my tongue, need it made right he disciplines the ones that he loves so if you are feeling the weight of that thank him and say thank you God that you discipline me in this thank you that you call me your own thank you that you want to make me new in what I say in what I think You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand on me. Even with all of our thoughts and all of our words and all the things that are hidden, God in his all-knowing nature, desiring to be known, hymns us in on all sides and lays his hand upon us. As heavy as the weight of the sin of our words and thoughts, there is a holy heaviness that comes when you choose to go under the hand of God. The weight of his hand begs us to come and be safe, to be protected, to be known, to be covered, to be redeemed and restored. Let him draw you back to good boundaries right now. Choose this morning to rest there. Place yourself under the goodness of his hand and say, thank you. I don't want to be anywhere else. Thank you, God, that in all of your knowing, your heart is to find me and bring me here so that I can rest here, so I can be known here. Some of you just need to confess that you've been running away from that hand of God, trying to pave your own way. Just tell him and go running back. And say, God, I choose to rest underneath the weight of your hand that is good, that is holy, that protects me, that loves me despite it all. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, Even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Confess to him now any place that you have run where you felt like he could not meet you, where he could not reach you, where he could not find you. Ask him to show you any place, any struggle, any trial, any hurt, any sin that convinced you that you had gone too far from his reach. just tell him i choose to go running back you will find me anywhere i go ask him where he is and that belief that kept you running ask him how he feels about you now that you're coming home and just as a confession to him just tell him Lord, I choose this morning to be led in the way everlasting. That's the way I want to go. That's the path I choose. I have to go there. Every other path is death and destruction. I have to be led here, God. Just tell him, tell him three or four or five times till your heart knows it's true. I have to be led in the way everlasting. That is the only path I want. I choose to rest under the weight of your hand that knows me and my heart is crying out to be known by you, God. Lord God, anchor us in this truth. Make it the longing of our heart to have you search us and know us daily, by the hour, by the minute. And God, as a family, anchor us in the way everlasting. We need it. We want it. We put our focus there. That is our heart's cry. Anchor us in the way everlasting. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you made that way for us. Amen.
0: And we're gonna take some time just to respond to whatever the Lord may be doing. We wanna do this in a variety of ways. One, we're gonna move into a time of communion with one another. Okay, so we've just taken this time to draw near to God, to listen to God, to confess to God, to receive from God. And now together, we're gonna take the cup and the bread. This is the body and the blood of Jesus, Yahweh in the flesh. He's the one that makes it possible for us to move from concern to comfort. He's the one that suffered on our behalf, the one that rose from the dead and the one that is returning. And so together with the people around you, you can take some time to take communion. You can share anything that God was saying to you, moving in you. This is one way we can respond. You can respond if you want prayers. We'll have some men and women at the respond banners over here. We would love to pray with you, pray for you. You can come over here. We would love to encourage you any way we can. We're also gonna respond just with worship. The band's gonna lead us into a time of worship. And we're just gonna pour our hearts out to the God who knows us and the God who loves us. So I wanna invite everybody to stand. Invite everybody to stand. I'm just gonna say a quick prayer. And we're going to move forward with worship. If you want to talk to one another, you can sit back down and talk to one another after I pray. If you want to be prayed for, you can come to the respond banner. We're just going to spend some time responding to what God is doing in our midst. Lord, we love you. We invite you, Lord, to continue to move in our hearts and to lead us how we respond to you. Yahweh, the God who knows us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you all very much. Let's just spend some time responding to what the Lord is doing in our midst.